of it, but this one's a special one. Off the Record is the name of the book. You know him very well uh, for years. Uh, CBC's host of The National and uh, chief political correspondent. He is Peter Mansbridge. I say that um, the the pandemic, you've been prolific. We've seen music artists put out, you know, a couple albums at a time. I guess we've all had to find things to do to take places of the things we used to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, if there was one thing about the pandemic, it did make sitting down writing easy because you didn't have anything else <laughs> to compete with that. Uh, I wrote this book uh, through the summer, mostly last summer. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, and then there was a lot of obviously editing uh, going on as well uh, throughout this year, but uh, it's out there now and uh, we're pretty excited about the way it's, uh, it's taken hold uh, in the first week. Peter, would you have gotten to a book like this eventually? Did the pandemic just expedite that process where you had that chunk of time to to write about yourself and, and your journeys through broadcasting? I was under a lot of pressure to, you know, to write a, they call it a memoir. I, I don't, I don't like that term. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a collection of anecdotes, as, as you suggest, you know, different things that happened to me in my, in my career, how they, they shaped me and how, they tell us all a little something about how journalism works and and how the country works. Uh, so people were trying to get me to do it. I'd always resisted. And I said, well, I'll do it if, as long as it can be the kind of stories that, you know, I tell over dinner with friends. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when people say to you, what was so-and-so really like? You know, that interview you did with them. And you don't talk about the interview. You talk about what the person was like, right, and the things that happened around the interview. And that's the kind of book it is, the story behind the story. As you can tell, Peter Mansford is joining us on Toronto today. We're pleased to have him. The book is called Off the Record on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. People um, even have asked me this, and I ask other uh, media types this. I said, I said to them, how, how did you know to keep going? And my answer always is, well, you just, you know, you, you keep thinking you're making progress, chugging along. You're doing something you love. Um, you know there's going to be pitfalls. Of course there will be. Um, is it similar to, to, to that with you? If someone says, well, how did you know to keep going and climbing the ladder and advancing? Um, similar to that? Yeah, in some ways, uh, you know, I was focused right from the start. I mean, I had a peculiar start in Churchill, Manitoba. You know, it, it was the smallest radio station in the country. Uh, so there was a lot of working up the ladder that I had to do, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't come easy. You know that, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes things work out. Other times they don't. Um, you know, I, I, there were a lot of jobs I applied for along the way that I didn't get, but I learned from every setback and, uh, you know, and, and kept pushing ahead. You, you stay focused, you know, you're, you're convinced that you're good enough to do the next move. So you just have to. Um, you know, show that those abilities to to others that you can do it. It's a weird one, too, because we all want to be, uh, you know, all things to all people sometimes personally, and professionally. And I, I think you realize really fast in our business, let's say uh, what you're good at, what you're really good at, what you can improve at. I know the things I'm not good at. That's the that's the thing to do is to say, well, would you want to try this? No, that's out of my wheelhouse that it feels like the people that have the longevity and do have a career as exceptional as you you know, you can interview, you know, you can host a tentacle, like you knew what to, what to stay with and, 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 uh, and sort of chip away at and, uh, and, and tighten all those edges to where you become what you became. Yeah. Uh, listen, that's a really good point you make. You know, if you know what you're good at and you focus on those things, you try to prove, uh, improve in areas where you're not so good, but at a certain point you realize, you know what, 
that isn't in my wheelhouse, as you say. Focus, let me focus on what works for me, what I do well, and, uh, you know, and stick with it. And that's what I did, uh, you know, over, over the years. I was lucky. I got to work with a lot of really good people. And, uh, and when you do that and, uh, uh, and you're lucky, they cover it for you <laughs> in the areas where, where you're not so good. <laughs> 30 years uh, with the National. The book is called Off the Record. Peter Manfred is joining us on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Did um, Who inspired you as a broadcaster growing up? And, and did the late night shows, that's that's sort of, you know, I'm a I'm a Letterman kid. I would watch him. I, I'm, young, I'm still old enough to have watched Johnny Carson. So that whole Carson Leno Letterman thing always fascinates me. But late night hosts, did they appeal to you? Did you say, I can learn things about, you know, being spontaneous about interviewing from from some of those greats? You got to understand that when I started, uh, you didn't have a lot of options in terms of other television networks or other programs. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in Churchill, which was the, you know, I, I had never thought about broadcasting. Suddenly I was in it. And for the first three years of my career, it was all radio. There was no television in Churchill. The TV film came up a week late. So everything was a week late in Churchill in back in the late 60s. Uh, we watched the moon landing a week after everybody else watched it. You'd watch hockey on Saturday night. It was last Saturday night's game. It was almost a conspiracy in town. Not, you know, if by some reason you found out what had happened in the game, you couldn't tell anybody because we try to watch that game on a Saturday night thinking we don't know who's going to win. Uh, so that was the start. So there was no Johnny Carson or, you know, other late night stuff. Um, but listen, I, you know, I, 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 I looked up to the, you know, Walter Cronkite's and then eventually the Tom Brokaw's uh, of this uh, world and, uh, and of the broadcasting world as uh, figures who I admired. You know, you, it, it's a dangerous game. You don't want to copy people. Mm-hmm. You can admire people. You can have respect for people. But if you start copying other people, People see through that, you know, they, they can, they can tell what you're doing. And you, you know, the thing is you develop, as you said earlier, you develop your own skills and what you're best at, but you also develop your own style and uh, you know, and go with it uh, when you're comfortable with it. We talked uh, with the nine 11 anniversary and a couple of weeks before our most recent federal election. Um, you did so many elections on, uh, on the CBC, um, dipping into provincial elections as well with, with some, you know, um, real benchmark nights, memorable evenings that people remember. The adrenaline probably, it probably just runs a little bit different on that day and night. Um, tell our audience about that. And, and if it does, and, and knowing, uh, knowing it's, it's just, you know, not, our lives won't be the same after that particular evening, one way or the other. On the big nights, you know, the, the unpredictable nights, the 9-11s, that kind of thing. Uh, although there were not, <laughs> it was only one 9-11, but you get the picture when you're yeah. dealing with those kind of stories that kind of come out of num- nowhere, the adrenaline does really push and you can, it's not like you can fall asleep after the show. You're just too wired. Um, and I used to, you know, like go out for a walk you know, often a long walk in whatever city I happen to be in covering whatever story I happen to cover. Uh, but those are also the kind of nights when you finally do get to bed, you say, Man, I wish that day had never ended mm-hmm. because it, it is so exciting going through working with a team um, who are all really good at their respective 
jobs, whether they're on air or behind the scenes. Uh, and those are the days you live for. I mean, the daily newscast, the, the normal day can be pretty dry. You know, you, <laughs> you, you tend to, you know, put all your energy into every program you do, but not every day is the same. You know, some days are very different. And those are the days that you, uh, you don't want to miss. I thought I thought about that when the results came out. The results basically were a mirror image of the polls. Uh, the polls had them right. We don't tend to have a lot of, I guess, you know, you're a massive sports fan. We don't have, tend to have a lot of upsets. We don't have the 2000 Bush-Gore election. We sure don't have the 2016 Trump-Hillary election. We're, we seem pretty predictable. Either that or the pollsters just, just can't have figured us out. I, I, I'm trying to think of a night where you've been on during an election where the result is just st- maybe the NDP majority uh, in 90. Like that's all I can think of for, for all the elections you would have done. Well, there have been a few, the very first one I was on television for first time I was in a CBC studio, I wasn't anchoring the big network uh, broadcast, whatever it was, I was doing the uh, kind of local cutaways in Winnipeg it was 72. And that one was a cliffhanger and you didn't know who was actually going to form the government until like four or five o'clock in the morning. Uh, it, it was it was really close. Um, you know, others, uh, you know, proved to be exciting in different ways. I mean, the 93 federal election, when the conservatives who'd had a majority government, a majority government, right? They had whatever, a couple hundred seats or 180 seats or something. And they came back with two. Well, you know, that's pretty stunning. Uh, so, so that was, you know, that was quite a night when the NDP, uh, formed the opposition in 2011, that was a big story, Jack Layton. Um, so, I mean, there, there are nights, um, where the pollsters may not necessarily get it wrong, but the way the splits work in different writings, uh, can really, uh, uh, make things look strange. Like both the last two elections, federal. The Liberals won, and they won comfortably, minority governments, but still they won comfortably. And yet the Conservatives had more votes. Yeah. Now that's, you know, that's odd. That's not the way it's supposed to work. (laughs) But it does every once in a while. And at different times, it's benefited uh, different parties. Peter Mansbridge is our guest, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. His book called Off the Record in stores right now. And, of course, you can get it uh, online, Amazon, and wherever else you uh, you end up getting books. Um, I mentioned Late Night Host. I remember watching Johnny Carson say goodbye. You had a goodbye show. And Johnny Carson said, when I find something that I can dive into um, with the same passion, uh, you know, I hope you'll join me. It was some variation of that when he gave way to right. Jay Leno in 92. You found stuff pretty quickly um, and you're busy. Were, were you sure it's on your own terms, but were you sure you would be? Did you, did you think maybe, maybe I, maybe retired means retired. Maybe it's like uh, you know, a pro athlete and that's it. I don't look at a hockey stick again, or I don't re- pick up a newspaper or log on and check out all the headlines again. What, what was that time like? Well, you know, it's funny because I didn't need to do anything else. Like I, I looked after myself well. I planned things well uh, in terms of when I wanted to pull out. I always said, I, I, you know, I'm not going to, I won't do the national with a seven in front of my age. So I, you know, I was out of there 69 and a half or something. And, uh, and, and I, but I always knew I'm going to keep doing something. The CBC didn't want to totally break the connection with me. They wanted me to do some documentaries. 
And so I've been doing a couple of one-hour docs a year since then, and they've been a lot of fun. I was just up in the Arctic for a couple of weeks doing one on uh, uh, climate change and Arctic mm-hmm. sovereignty that will run probably in February or March. Uh, so there's that. There's I do a regular podcast, which I started as a, a hobby. It was just like a you know something for fun to do at home. And uh, it took off, became very successful. And, and then there was kind of a mini bidding war uh, to buy the distribution rights by, from a couple of different organizations. And I ended up uh, making an arrangement with Sirius XM. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I do that. I give speeches. I teach at the University of Toronto. I sit on a bunch of boards uh, and I write books. <laughs> it sounds pretty busy. But as you said earlier, it's on my pace. Like I, I can decide how much I want to do when I want to do it. And uh, that works out quite well. I want the next book to be on the bidding wars. Um, I love those books. I love those t- <laughs> those media uh, pulls and uh, pulls and pushes and, uh, and right. back and forth. <laughs> sure. It might it might not be as many pages as off the record, but it's no, you know, it's a pretty short story. Really. <laughs> it's more yeah, it's more a fable, I guess, a fable than uh, a true yeah. fable. The prime minister mentioned this the other day um, uh, at at a a conference in Sweden about anti-Semitism, an incredibly worthy cause, quite obviously, given what we're going through right now with a lot of um, groups and ethnicities under fire. It's it's um, it just it feels that way. The the, the heat never stops. Um, and it's about disinformation and it's it's trickier than ever. It's very it's very difficult. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's a, a rock star, Noel Gallagher from Oasis, and he said, we're just going to tell everybody that you were the best band in the world and half the people will believe it. And I'm like, did politicians listen to that? Because I think they that's sort of the the Donald Trump flood the zone. That, that was the, the, the methodology described. How how have you seen it evolve? It It must be frustrating to look and go. There, and COVID is just like that as well. We've never been more, more polarized over a single topic, probably, than COVID and restrictions and keeping yourself healthy. Yeah, we listen, there's, we live in an era of enormous, um, um, there's an enormous amount of information out there. Never before in the history of the planet has it been so easy to get information. However, a lot of that information is garbage. Uh, you know, it circulates on the internet, circulates through social media, um, and it, it puts the onus not just on legitimate news organizations to ensure they're dealing with accurate, uh, in-context information, but it also puts an onus on the public to ensure that what they're using for information is real. And that it's uh, uh, that the, it's put out by organizations that are accountable for what they do. Now, you know, I've one of the classes I was teaching at the U of T before the before the pandemic struck. I said, I asked the students, and they were all postgraduate students. I said, "What's your most trusted source of information? Where do you go mm-hmm. to be convinced um, uh, of the information you're getting?" And in the, you know, not that long ago, most people answered that question, said television news. Then it was radio and then print. It was kind of in that order. Um, None of them were the top of the answers by the 100 students who were in this class. They said their most trusted source of information was social media. So Facebook, Twitter, 
Um, now, listen, there's a lot of good stuff in both those uh, social media uh, platforms, but there's also a lot of garbage. And if you're not careful, you start mixing in the garbage with the truth, and that's where misinformation starts to get out of hand. And, um, you know, so people have to, you know, the, the consumer has to be accountable as well for what they're reading, what they're using to base their um, positions on certain issues. So, you know, we got a problem out there right now with misinformation. There's no question about that. We have a problem. The media has a problem generally, although you, you got to be careful because the media is not a monolith. All organizations operate differently. But the relationship between the people and um, the uh, and the media is tenuous right now over the issue of trust, what to believe. And I think we have to be, you know, much more transparent uh, in explaining what we do and how we do it, uh, because that can bring back the trust factor. Because there's no there's no question we've lost we've lost some of that uh, with our various publics from the different uh, platforms that we operate from. So well said. I find that irony too, where I remember in 2009, um, a boss said to me, a program director said, you got to get on Twitter. You got to get on this new thing. Everybody's going to be on it. And I was really hesitant. I think it took a third email and he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm not asking anymore. You need to be on there. So then you do it and you experience it and you're right. You, you call information and, and you, yeah, you can meet people, make conversations, but then we're now at this point where I think many bosses are telling their employees, what's the benefit of you being on there? Like, what's the win? Where, where do we get the win if you're on there and you make a mistake or you go with some bad information? And like 12 years later, there's, there's people that were telling their employees to be on there, newspapers and whatnot. And I feel like they're running for the hills right now because of what it's become. Yeah, it's been an interesting thing. We were all pushed into this. I, I, I know certainly in my case, I resisted for, for a long time before I uh, started uh, you know, tweeting and this and that and the other thing. And I was extremely careful and never to, uh, you know, to make any outlandish statements. Uh, I do occasionally now, usually around sports. <laughs> um, Starting goalies and uh, bullpens. Yeah, that kind of safe stuff. Being, that's the problem with being a Leafs fan. But, uh, but no, I mean, there are other journalists who on air um, are, are, you know, straight up and, and don't have opinions, but in social media, they have opinions as if they're, these are two totally distinct and different uh, operations. And nobody's going to look at your opinions on social media and think it influences perhaps the way you tell a story uh, on your uh, regular format, which, of course, is not the case, you know, they, they, uh, the, the, that is how they're seen. So we got a problem. There's so many different levels of problems and it's ironic really, because at the same time, what this ability to gain information uh, online is, has changed the way we live. Uh, I mean, there's so much good in it mm -hmm. um, that it's scary to think that the bad is starting to uh, appearing to outweigh the good. Uh, and there's people are totally non to trying to explain what we're going to do about it to fix it, to change it. Yeah. Um, last question for you. I know you're giving up time tonight also during a, a Leafs game. Um, and, but I'm, I'm told there's 80, 80 of them remaining. So I've got that on a good source that 
Yeah, uh, you know, a two and zero start would uh, would wouldn't you know would get people excited. I give you that. Um, it doesn't see, look like it's heading in that direction. Back to back nights, right? Those back to backers. You you can't get yeah. past them. Um, but the CBC, you know, we talked about channel options earlier. That's where your career started and finished. Um, and I was a CBC kid. It was on in our house all the time. I know the shows. I know the beachcombers. I know Tommy Hutter was on at a certain not Dallas, right? There was Dallas on right before the SCTV. Anyway, it was always on. And now it's so the CBC feels very politicized every time there's a federal election. I'm sure you lived this out um, in some of your last years at CBC. Um, there's tension when a conservative government says we're going to cut it. And then there's relief when Justin Trudeau wins and we're not. It's I don't know that you saw that coming 15, 20 years ago, where it's like an election issue is what we do with Canada's national broadcaster. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I've always not had a lot of time for this argument around surrounding, you know, the various governments and how they look at the CBC, you know, First of all, the CBC was started by the Conservatives. It was a Conservative idea in the early 30s for all the right reasons. Uh, and many of those reasons still exist today, and it might be worthy of some CBC executives to look it up, see why the CBC was even created in the first place. Um, here's another misconception. The biggest cuts that have ever been leveled on the CBC, budget cuts, were done by a Liberal government, not a Conservative government. There was Craig Martin in the early 90s. Uh, they really uh, took the knife to the CBC. Um, Craig was never a big fan of CBC, mainly Roger Canada. He thought they were full of separatists. Okay. Conservatives think they're full of communists. <laughs> you know, like it, it, they may, they so, make strange bedfellows, don't they? Communists yeah, and separatists. Yeah. <laughs> it's also ridiculous because... You know, those who feel that the CBC is in the pocket of the liberals should go to a few liberal cabinet ministers who've had to resign over CBC journalism. Mm -hmm. The biggest name appointment of the of this current government was a governor general who had to resign because of problems that were exposed by the CBC and the way she handled uh, things at Rideau Hall. Um, you know, conservatives have had to resign because of uh, CBC journalism, you know, because they've been exposed to, in, in wrongdoing. Certainly through the Mulroney years, that, that happened more than uh, more than a few times. Um, so, you know, I, the CBC, here's what I'll say on the CBC. The CBC is full of a lot of really talented people right across the country in CBC buildings from coast to coast to coast. My fear for the CBC is the strategic direction it gets uh, from those who are in, who are placed in positions of, you know, executive management. Not all of them. Some very, there have been some very good ones, but um, but some of them have no idea about anything about broadcasting, and some of the decisions they've made after they spent two or three years trying to understand what the CBC is all about have been, have had a lasting negative impact on the place. So, it, you know, it's tough. Uh, but the CBC is not, is not the place a lot of people think it is on the political side. It's full of a lot of journalists from different parts of the country, different backgrounds, 
different feelings about different issues. Uh, and that mix creates the news uh, that we, or the, the, the journalists the CBC put on every day. Uh, and, it, and it is a mix. I mean, I always used to tell young journalists, if you're in a newsroom and there, are, there aren't nightly arguments about what we're doing on the program, you're not in a good place. You want that debate. You want that discussion uh, happening all the time. And, uh, and man, I was in lots of them at the CBC and it, people assumed that I won every argument I was in. That's not the case. <laughs> I didn't. And I knew when I'd lost. And, uh, and I was, you know, I, I was glad to see a different argument take hold and, and eventually accept it. Um, so all this stuff about how it's all, you know, run by some Politburo is just garbage, you know, like a lot of garbage you read. I worry, I'm going to follow just to like my comment listening to all that is such, got such depth and, and obviously interior knowledge is. I think people look to to make us more like the states, but we don't have a Fox News here and we don't have an MSNBC. And I I know even with talk radio, people don't they want you to play it as much up the middle. A conservative, a completely conservative talk radio station would fail and a completely left of center talk radio station would fail. People people will pick and choose. They'll they'll make it like a smorgasbord in Canada, more so than the states where I think they're looking for affirmation and politics are are much more tribal. I know we think we are. It's nothing like what it is in America. No, and, and you know, and it, how long ago was it? Ten years ago that they they tried a conservative mm-hmm. television network in Canada. It didn't it didn't work? It failed. Um, why have the liberals been more successful in elections over time than the conservatives? Because they play for the middle. In this last election, the conservatives tried to play for the middle, uh, and it cost Aaron O'Toole some support within his own party, who didn't want to be close to the middle. They wanted to be further away towards the right. Uh, so they, you know, there's the push and pull that exists within parties uh, is usually around the narrow edges that are close to the middle. The NDP does its best when it's closer to the middle from the left. The conservatives seem to do best when they're closer to the middle from the right. I mean, Stephen Harper was a, a pretty right-wing guy, but he knew if he was going to win, he had to be closer to the middle. And he was tough on his party and his caucus members to ensure that it didn't go um, too extreme on the road. He didn't want them uh, parading around looking for uh, changes in the abortion laws, capital punishment laws, all of that. He said, that's not going to happen as long as I'm the leader. And it's certainly not going to happen for the government. And it didn't. Hmm. Love our conversation. Congratulations on the book, Off the Record. Uh, people can find it uh, in bookstores on Amazon.ca. Uh, I know you're headed to Scotland. I heard that. I heard a rumor about that. So have a great trip uh, to uh, to Scotland. Uh, safe travels over there. And uh, and I really appreciate you coming on, spending time with me and and our listeners. Uh, it, it's it's just such an honor. Thank you, Craig. Thank you very much. Thanks for promoting the book, Indigo. Obviously, you push the Canadian side, Indigo. You know, Amazon, you're right. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it at Costco. You can get any number of different places. And enough people got it in its first week, its debut week, that it was 
finished number one in the rankings. That's fantastic. And I'm sure you're, uh, that's amazing achievement. And I'm sure you're going to take a couple hundred to Scotland and just look, whoa, how did those get there? Why did, why did those end up? I'll be selling them on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Chicken or fish, um, you know, off the record along with it. You can even have have it with the kosher meal. It works that way. Um, Thank you very much for the time, Peter. Always appreciate it. Okay, Greg. Take care.